0: Women are not good at networking. That's what a client told me, and she had just hired me to come speak about networking at a women's leadership conference. Men, she said, naturally gravitate to talking about business and always exchange business cards. These were her examples to back up her statement. While I understood what she was saying, I didn't agree. What she was describing is transactional networking, and we've all witnessed these kinds of exchanges or experienced them firsthand. You're standing in one of those tight networking circles at an event, and some guy starts handing out his card to everyone, and suddenly everyone is doing this and starts to feel like a poker game. Spray and pray networking isn't what I teach, and it isn't the kind of networking I think anyone should be doing. Now, I've met men and women who've had this approach, and it's definitely not a style unique to just men. But women in particular tell me that this kind of networking, it doesn't feel authentic, and it's a big turnoff when they're considering where to spend their time and whether to even attend a networking event. What I encourage my clients to focus on is relationship building, and at its core, this is about helping people, helping by making introductions, sharing resources, and generally being supportive. You know, any women who are good at helping, (laughs) exactly. These are skills that women in general excel at, yet they don't perceive this to be a networking activity. It doesn't take a lot of effort to recognize the advantages that women have when it comes to building relationships. Very quickly, the entrepreneurial women I've worked with have had a mindset shift and begun to see opportunities and possibilities in the world around them, not just at networking events. Are you ready to get more, more money, opportunities, referrals, and engagement, and you don't have any time to waste and you want that more now? Well, I encourage you to check out the MORE program for entrepreneurial women. Over a 90-day period, I offer a mix of one-on-one coaching, master classes filled with content and Q&As, and those masterminds where you're on the hot seat. These are intimate groups with just you and three other entrepreneurial women. The next session is actually going to start about a month from now, and I still have a seat. So learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. Now onto this week's show. Today's guest has dedicated her life to helping her clients unleash the potential of each employee. She's a leadership consultant and executive coach with 20 years of internal and external business consulting experience. Her flexible style has driven results in boardrooms and on plant floors for Fortune 100 companies and small startups alike. Prior to founding Interact Consulting 10 years ago, she worked at Deloitte as a consultant on process, strategy, and organizational engagements, and as a director at PepsiCo doing traditional HR and organizational development. With an expertise in leadership development, facilitation, and diversity, she implements a broad variety of custom solutions for her clients. As a coach, she helps leaders and entrepreneurs make meaningful impact on their organizations. Please join me in welcoming Tara Winston.
1: Thank you so much, Robbie. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Tara, thank you so much for joining me today from your office in Chicago. I wanted to just jump right in. This is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: Oh, wow, I'm still working on that second part. Um, but no, I, so leadership is the ability to get things done. Now, where people go wrong is, is just because you get things done doesn't mean that you did the right way. And so there's a distinction between good leadership and bad. So a good leader gets things done, but they do it in a way where they can empower, inspire, and improve other people. Now, there's plenty of, of bad leaders who they use their scorecard. Scorecard says, did I get it done today? And the answer is yes. And they feel totally happy with the results. But the honest answer is that that type of leadership doesn't work anymore. And so I realized that I was a leader um, when I got frustrated at bad leadership, right? It became so clear to me that things weren't working, that, that you, 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 someone would get something over the finish line and I would be infuriated and people around me were would be struggling with it. And I found myself going behind the leader. Making people feel better, making those reconnecting people to to their mission, you know, swabbing the the wounds <laughs> of uh-huh. of all the people that got left in the wake, and, and you know that's what I realized. A, there's there's a better way, and those people became more loyal to me than the person with the big title or the person that's supposed to be the leader. And that's what I got to see. You know, like the the difference. Because by the way. If people only lead you because they're they're threatened to, or they feel like they have to, one day you're going to turn around and you're going to be walking by yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I hear that. So it's something to think about. Is that it's not the title. So that's clear from what you just said, no. and that people have to feel um, that you have their best interest at heart, right? They're not being led in the wrong way, along down the wrong path, that kind of thing. Were you early on? Finding different ways to, to do leadership, um, even in like, I don't know, grade school, high school, college. Were you the step in front of the room, uh, or were you the kid who sort of sit, sat back and watched everything unfold? Were people seeing leadership potential in you and inviting you, or like, how was that all working out?
1: You know, it's so interesting. Um, this is gonna shock most people. <laughs> know me now I was a really shy kid um it took me a while to kind of come into my own and so I had, had never and, and honestly even to this day I'm never the person that when someone says who's going to lead this they rush to the front of the room like I, I've never been a person that needs the the mantle of official leadership but often what ended up happening is there would be somebody standing in the front of the room and then from the back I would ask questions I would I would I would, Offer solutions and suggestions. I would stay, you know, I would offer to help on the back end, and then slowly but surely, what, what you would start to see is the body's angle towards me, right? So, um, the, best, <laughs> the best way to 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 describe it, and actually, I had this with a a client a couple of years ago. You know, I was the external consultant, and there was a whole intact team, and there was a clear leader by title and and by by stature and behavior um and whenever the leader would not be available or leave the room there was someone who should have been the number two but every single time and, and the way i describe it is i was the mama every time i turned around like everyone would, sh- would lean their bodies away from the person who by all t- title rights should have been the leader but never stepped up didn't feel the vacuum mm. didn't show up didn't didn't care enough was very worried about the the boundaries of where their responsibility ended they didn't mm-hmm. lean in and try to understand or, or mediate. And so there were certain behaviors that people expect. And when they don't see it, they, people will make decisions on their own, like, like whether your body is the boss or whether the person is the leader. And so I was, I would stand, I would always stand at the side, maybe not the back. I would always stand at the side, but eventually I would be in the front because people start turning towards me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what a great visual too, to see how influence can happen over time by you filling that vacuum, that void, um, mm-hmm. when the opportunity is there and no one else is sort of stepping up, that's a different kind of leadership. It's, it's also a little bit subversive. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't need to like run to the front of the room, but I'm going to ask the questions that evoke the kind of thoughtfulness um, that brings voices to the discussion that maybe are being left behind, that shows people what I'm thinking. And you know, making me think that um, one of the things that I wrote about in my first book was this idea that, you know, how do you sort of raise your hand to let people know, hey, I'm in, the, I'm in the room and I'm thinking about these things too and come talk to me that you don't always have to be at the podium, right? To like, to, to like engage in the conversation. It sounds like you found your way in. Is, is that continued? But I mean, clearly you went out on your own and you like developed the whole <laughs> business. So you must be in the front of the room a lot more now
1: in front of the room um it's so funny because people say like okay look you're a public speaker you you're usually in front of a a crowd full of people um and the first question is do you ever get nervous um in, in front of the room and and i forget to get nervous because for me it's never about me i think that i think that becomes the difference like when i stand in front of the room is because i am trying to help a group of people get to something Either they're, they're coming to some decision, they're learning something about themselves, they're learning something to bring to the world. And so I'm a conduit to that. And, and it's never, it's not about me. And, and so I think that, that's my tone, my tone for leadership and even for visibility. It can't be about me. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I find people yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, you well, you must
0: be really good at creating the container for a conversation mm-hmm. that allows people to sort of go a little deeper. And that people are always craving, right? They're like craving spaces like that.
1: Absolutely, like and so, and I think that's where some people get get caught up. Well, you know, I, I whenever I'm I'm coaching introverts or people that they, they feel like, okay, how do I show up when I don't want to be the person, you know, in the brightest colors in the front of the room screaming for attention? Um, and it, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like for, there are some people who are just naturally charismatic, and they're, they're usually they're the centers of attention without trying, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's their natural gift. And you like each person has something that's really special that, that they can bring to the world. And when they sit in that and they let that that be the way that they connect with the world and the way they're in service, it cannot be ignored. And so maybe you're someone who just is, is quiet, has great ideas. And, and the key is where do you need to be seen, right? So that there's a strategy to it from a visibility perspective. Who needs to know? What do they need to know about you? Kind of what are those spaces? How do you then use that superpower of yours to get to let, to let them see you?
0: You know, we all know those people that speak so infrequently that when they do, the entire room shuts up and listens because they always say, like, the profound thing <laughs> or, like, the, the question that no one has dared to speak. And they're not just, like, feeling the air. Like, I am an outgoing extrovert, and I know you're shocked. Um, LAUGHTER but I, I, you know, so I have had to think about the opposite, which is like, how do I use my privilege as an outgoing expert to create opportunities and spaces for people who don't always get the attention? Um, it, to, I think of it as an extension of white privilege and male privilege. It's like, I don't work hard for that. But then I also know people like you're saying, like who have this great thoughts in their head and they just, they need a space to be seen, heard and respected. Um, and they need a, a belief in themselves too. And it sounds like that's part of what you really found for yourself is a belief that you have value to add. So you ask the right questions because you believe that they should be asked and you're the one to ask them.
1: Absolutely. And so that, like, that, that gave me my comfort to be in the front of the room. And I, and I also recognize that um, there's a lot of times I do work with people around showing power. Um, and part, part of leadership is also the, the presence of being a leader, right? How do people trust you and then they want to follow you? And so one of the conversations that I have all the time about power is one of the most powerful things that you can do is to grant your power to someone else. So anyone who gets in the, in the front and then holds on to it, they, they look small, right? If you have to grasp onto your power mm-hmm. and not let it go, then, you, then clearly you should be worried about it, <laughs> Right. And, but if you have someone, you know, it's so easy to, say, for, to have someone say, you know what? My team is doing great work. I'd like to let Lisa take, take the stage. That person is mm-hmm. granting power, which means they have a lot more power. Mm-hmm. And it's such a small little piece. But once you start to pay attention to, how, to people in true power and how they operate, you'll start to see it play out. And So like you said, like when, you, when you sit in privilege, when you sit in power of any type, the way that you extend that power actually becomes a magnifier instead of, well, I think people are afraid that's it's going to take away some of their shine.
0: That's so interesting. I love this. This is like a really powerful visual as well, because um, I've always thought about it in like these smaller sort of scenarios, like, you know, who has access to be on the on the um, maybe there's a panel you know Mm -hmm. and and who gets invited to be on the panel and I've been on a number of panels where I'm like do you really need introductions to women and people (laughs) of color because I could think of three right now and I'm happy to you know I could Mm -hmm. show up at any other panel like I don't need to be on this panel. Um, I'm talking
1: myself out of a job.
0: (laughs) Yeah I I mean and and you know what's interesting is I bet you that I never really thought about it but I never thought about it as a loss but I never really thought about that it's actually a win all around like like the people that I'm bringing into the conversation who've been left out, they're, they're appreciating me and that relationship is stronger. The, the person facilitating and bringing that uh, panel together probably had best of intentions, but just like a weak network in that way. Um, you know, was grateful that I caught it before they went public. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I will always get invited back to other things. I've never felt like that was my last opportunity. Um, there's always more cake. That's what I've been teaching my toddler.
1: I, I love that. It's all, wait, first of all, I love cake, um, and that makes me so happy. But there, there is always more cake. And just think about this: so not only do you now have have an advocate in the person that gets the seat, an advocate in the person who um, who's planning the the event, but you, you have now opened up the number of, of topics that they would bring you back for. So now, you know, for every time they're thinking about advocacy or wokeness ah, or all those places, like you, you have now taken yourself at a advocacy. multiplier. It's a multiplier. It is. It amplifies, and people like we we don't see it all the time. Yeah. No. Like, like when you put that abundance out there, like it, it it's crazy.
0: Yeah, because that scarcity mindset. I I have to tell you, when I see people who have the scarcity mindset, oh, man, that's like my deepest fear is to get too close to people with a scarcity mindset because it's yeah. like contagious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I do not want to operate in that mindset, yeah. you know, and like, mm-hmm. it's really, it's something. So I want to hear more about what you're doing today, but the way I want you to approach it is I want to hear, I want to hear what you find most rewarding mm-hmm. about what you've been sort of working on the last few years.
1: Sure. You know, so I, um, I had a really great career and I did management consulting. I did, I did HR. And then I kind of got to this point where I felt like I was stuck. And I, um, I couldn't really think my way out of it, which is weird. You know, I've always been, been one of those like heads down, you know, pros and, ch- and cons chart and all that good stuff. Um, but where, but I, I was like, I'm, I, I'm doing great work and I'm, I've got a great company and all, and you know, I got the, the accolades that come with it, you know, the, the bonuses, I kind of office with a door, um, ah. and, I'm, and I'm still not happy, right? Doors mean a lot these days, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, and I had to sit back and I realized I didn't want anyone else's job. Like and, and you know, you, you looked up at the food chain and so I, I found myself in crisis. Like yeah, you know, I was always a good soldier, you know, promotion of the promotion. And I finally had to sit back and say, what is it that I really want and what do I love? And I and I, I began that business. And so, you know, the work in the work that I do and the reason why I I I, I love it so much is is that is that I get to help really good people knock down the barriers that keep them from being their greatest, and that's in teams and organizations. Sometimes it's whole companies, and sometimes it's individuals. And every single day, I get an inclination that that I make a difference, and it, and it doesn't. For me, I know it's maybe not the biggest piece, but I know that every single person who gets closer to their potential has a ripple effect on this world. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't go out there. I'm not a firefighter that's out there actually saving, you know, human, human life. But I know that, that the work that I do somewhere somehow makes a massive impact eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still pretty good doing that.
0: What's amazing is that it's the, the the ripple effect is also like, as a person feels better about themselves on the job and they're in the right work, the way they're Mm -hmm. probably at home also changes. Their communication well, with their partner yes. changes, their kids change, their family, their friends, they have time for a hobby. You know, like like the <laughs> ripple effect really kind of can go far. Um, don't discount what you're doing. I think it's pretty powerful. But I also imagine that there are a lot of challenges, Tara. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. So <laughs> thinking about this shift, because I have a number of people who are listening um, it's interesting. my audience seems to be sort of a mix of entrepreneurs because I bring a lot of entrepreneurs on. Uh, but also I was on C-suite radio for a year. and so uh, we were we were um, uh, one of the headliners, thank you. that's the word headliners. And so we had a lot of people who were either sort of sort of like upwardly mobile in their career, like aiming for that. And so clearly you were doing that too. Like you were yeah. in in that career path um, and as a woman of color, clearly, had a lot of challenges on the way just in that path. <laughs> then you make this decision to like leave this traditional office setting where you, again, had the accolades and the door. And, you know, what year was it that you made this big shift? Was this?
1: 2008 in the middle of like terrible recession. Oh,
0: you were like the 20,000th person who's <laughs> done that, right? So like that's what everyone was doing. Like I don't know what it was. <laughs> Something was in the water. And you actually had a job. A lot of people leave. I know. Like, <laughs> a lot of people like lost their jobs. Okay, so... I already can imagine the challenges. Some of that was, but what was some? What were some of the hurdles that you had, like you encountered as you suddenly realized this is ten years later? Congratulations!
1: Thank 10 you. Years it's ten years.
0: Ten years. Pretty amazing. So, what were some of the things that you had to face, and then how did you overcome that?
1: No, but what's interesting, and I, I always tell people that that whoever the biggest problem with becoming an entrepreneur is that you bring yourself with you. So all the things that you thought were the problem of the company or your old boss, you start to realize how much of it was you.
0: <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> there
1: you are. Right. You know, oh, I work too many hours and it's because the company does this. And then you find out you, a couple, couple years later, you're like, you're the slave driver. Like you can't blame anybody else for it. Um, but, but so I would say kind of my, one of my biggest challenges. And, and now I can go back and trace it all the way back to even when I was in corporate was this idea of, of my confidence in myself, right? That, like what, what is enough? What is, what is worthy? And so what, what happens when, when I was in corporate is I would be consumed with I'm not, I'm not doing enough of work. Like this person doesn't like me or they don't see me or I'm not ready to, to apply for this promotion or I'm not ready to put myself out there, right? So you end up just doing all this back work, getting ready, but never stepping out. And then the, the the entrepreneurial equivalent of that is so much work to before you want to sell to somebody, or or, or you underprice yourself. And so, uh, so I I kind of had to come to this this position. So what happened to me as an entrepreneur is, you know, I came with a lot of knowledge. I came with some great experience and and you know a pretty good background. And I would go out and start trying to sell something, and then I would see someone that and I, I would be in awe of kind of like the client list and what they've done then I would get a chance to experience their work and i be like wait a minute that stuff is better than this I yeah. know more than this why is this person making they're charging double than what I am why is this person in these places and the only answer was because they did it and I didn't mm-hmm. like they went and they 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 knocked on the doors they they, they set their price and, and and told somebody with confidence this is how much I'm worth and um, and so you, you get, like, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurship itself is this really weird um, crucible to, prove, to show you how the world honestly works because you don't have the artifice of, 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 of corporate America around you. But the honest answer is like, if you believe that you have value and you go, you put yourself out there and you're bold with it, you're willing to stand in it, you will get way more than you ever thought you could. And when you hold back and you think you're not ready, then someone else is going to take your lunch.
0: Mm-hmm. This is true whether you're an entrepreneur or in corporate America or working for a nonprofit, whatever, whatever the avenue is, it's still true um, that you have to sort of raise your visibility and believe in your true value, and you know ask for ask for the opportunities and you know showcase your talent and all that stuff. And it sounds sort of easy, and it's really hard. And that when you do it, it gets easier, right? Like. Like, the, the com- is it sort of your stack your successes, right? Like, you know, little bits at a time. So um, as you are morphing into this, you have met so many people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, you know, <laughs> you, you've, like, you have your, all these different worlds you've lived in. So you have Deloitte, you have PepsiCo, uh, you have 10 years of working um, for yourself. So you've met fabulous people. Mm-hmm. Are you doing things purposely to... Nurture and sustain those connections. Are, do you have any habits or practices or philosophies that help you not just like the close, close network of okay. your best friends, but that sort of next layer out of you know the colleagues that you like, the people that you used to work with that you got along with? Like, how do you how do you nurture those connections in this like you know world that's sort of nonstop?
1: Absolutely, you know, and I and I w- the honest answer is I got more deliberate as an entrepreneur because because you know that's when your your network starts to de- deliberately help you decide whether or not you're going to eat today or not. <laughs> like I like a roof over my head, and so your network d- helps you in that. So I wish I had been stronger um, putting things in place when when, when I was in corporate or when I was younger. So my advice for anyone that's that that is in that position now is get started. Um, but I've never been someone that, that is super deliberate. I, I, I love those people that have databases and names and write things on cards. And I, I, please, in my next life, I want to be as organized as you. I, I, that's, but that's not me. And so I had to figure out a way, how was I going to stay connected to my network? So, so part of, you know, I use social media very specifically, right? So it, it's a combination like, like, uh, as we record this, Facebook is going through some drama um, related to everything from, from Russia and connections to some other things um, on the political front. Regardless, social media itself, whether it's Facebook or, or any other thing, they're not going to go away. And so what I love is it is, the, it is the absolute best thing to remind people that I'm still here. It is a great way to go, happy birthday. Hey, love that picture. And they just and that little bit of reminder for people who you had some experience with makes a big difference. There were years ago there was a study that talked about what in your network gave you the most opportunity. And at the time, what they said was loose ties bring you the most opportunity, right? So it's not your close friends, it's friends of friends, people you kind of bump into in circles. And to some extent that that is partially still true. Right, and Because the, the, the thought process behind that was, how will you know of new opportunities? Your close-in friends, if they know it, they'll tell you, right? Mm-hmm. So you already know what your close friends know. You need these looser ties to bring things that you don't know about. With the advent of technology, they actually just redid the study um, in the past year or two. And what they found is that um, opportunities are much more visible now just because they, they float around, people email them, they get through the six degrees of separation what's starting to matter more is the the idea of people who've had some contact with you so old colleagues so your your old colleagues your old school people people who've had so they can a vouch for you right mm-hmm. <laughs> they had enough experience to vouch for you but they're also in these spaces that are not the same circles you are and so you know i've gotten i've gotten connected to projects from people that i haven't worked with in in 15 years mm. <laughs> But we're still like, you know, hey, nice baby pictures. Like, and that remind- So, 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 I think you know what I do is a, it's a two part process. Number one is genuinely, and, and please, you have to do this from a from a space of authenticity. So, if you don't care about the baby pictures, don't comment on them. <laughs> show through, right? But so I start with the the part that reminds them that I'm still here, and so that's the comments and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm very deliberate about posting things that are related to what I'm interested in or what my business is. And so I, I may post something and the, the, the little few, you know, two sentences that you can put around a post on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter um, or even Instagram, I may say as a coach, my people struggle with this, you know, here's something that may help you. So I'm reminding them of what, of what I am. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest things, particularly for those of you who may be career changers, or even if you're starting your business, Nobody knows what the hell you do. They don't know who you are. Yeah. Or what you're and, looking to <laughs> Or what you're looking yeah. to do. So yeah. the more you can position yourself, um, so that they go, Oh, this is what you do. So I so I will get a random email from someone who haven't spoken to forever and say, Hey, love that we're connected on, on LinkedIn. I think you do coaching. I'm like, I wonder how you take that. Um, <laughs> but they they've seen enough. <laughs> of the post of me saying these, you know, these things or, or I'll post photos of me going to some of my clients so they get a sense for, you know, the size of my clients or, or the impressive names. Mm-hmm. And then that, that all those things start to anchor.
0: Yeah, that's really key. I mean there's there's definitely ways to be strategic with how you use uh Facebook. Um one of the one, one of the ideas I got from a guest, Liz Gully, who organizes uh, masterminds and teaches people how to run masterminds. That's her specialty. Mm -hmm. But she talks about how on Christmas, she goes and sends private Facebook messages individually to people. And she does this because you can't automate it. Mm -hmm. So last year, I decided I'm going to do this. And she was one of the people I sent it to. And she was like, (laughs) ah, you beat me. (laughs) But I had this interesting moment where I was like, okay, not everyone that I'm reaching out to is going to celebrate Christmas. Uh And so if I knew that they were Jewish, I was like, hey, what movie has the Chinese food? (laughs) Because like I was raised Jewish. That's what we did. Um, But I think this year I'm just going to go Happy New Year. I'm going to skip ahead (laughs) because like we're all on that calendar.
1: (laughs) I use New Year cards, you know. Uh, New Year, yeah, I, 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 I,
0: I yeah. I do New Year's yeah. cards too. And I have to admit <laughs> that not all my New Year's cards have gone out and it is now um, <clears throat> let's see, it's late March as we speak, and I have a few more on my desk. So listen, I had a baby, so they're also kind of like a welcome to the world baby cards. Um, they
1: count that counts.
0: Yeah, it's all these little touches. And you know, it's you can't and you can't overly automate it. And it has to come from a place of authenticity and genuine interest because people like you said will look through that. Do you ever think about doing things like hosting dinners or, or organizing gatherings? Like, is that part of your repertoire?
1: Robbie. Okay. So clearly you've been sneaking around my house and I, I don't appreciate that. Um, because The reason I say that is tonight is the first of the dinner salons that I've been planning. I, I've, I've planned di- 10 dinner salons, one per month. <laughs> and you, like, you literally, like, I, was, I like, have, have figured this out. Was, and, and this is why. Right? So, I am a huge believer in making authentic connections. The, like, I, I'm not the person that's going to tell you to go and find the smartest person in the room and, and with the biggest title and shake their hand. That never works out. What I have found is that I'd rather just talk to somebody who's really cool. And, and we now live in a world where everybody knows somebody. Like, like you don't have to worry. Like the your Uber driver knows somebody. Like it just, it, it just it just is. And so, like just be a be a good human and connect with humans, and maybe not tomorrow, but eventually, like you will have a network that that speaks to any of the needs that you could possibly have. And so, um, so I wanted to find a way to bring what mm. I thought were really cool people together. And and so I've you know in the past I actually run a women's retreat. And one of the things that was that someone said that at my first retreat that's really struck with me stuck with me. She said, "Tara, how did you know to get the perfect group of people who were all feeling the same way, right?" And I'm like, "Cause I'm a genius, of course. Um, but I didn't do that. <laughs> like, like and and you know, and I had every everyone from like an investment banker there to someone who ran group homes to you know to, to someone's a software engineer. Like I, like there wasn't a, a cookie cutter. But when you like, we actually didn't talk about careers at all. And so no one knew what any, anyone did. And we just, we dealt with each other as humans. And then also they're like, wow, we're all the same people. Oh yeah. Cause humans are kind of human, human-like. <laughs> um, and, and so, so I really wanted to create a space where, you know, it wasn't about connecting with people because we all do the, the exact same thing. You have enough of those. But I wanted to bring people like-minded spirits together. So my, my, my interact dinner salons, you know, I pick a theme, and as, and the theme is not for the for the discussion topic; it's for the invitees. So my so my dinner tonight, I've invited big dreamers. So ah, I like people it. that I know that I'm like, wow, I wish I wish I could think as bigly as <laughs> bigly, right? As big as this person does, and um, and so bring some of those people together. So so I've you know I've got people who, who are interested in, in global, um, just just the world in general. I've got one group that um, the the theme is fearlessness. Um, But so that way, you know, you may find that that you are sitting at at dinner with a banker and a dancer, but you all have the same spirit. And that's how you grow your network.
0: How many people are coming to your salons? What's the number?
1: very specific it's, it's it's six plus me okay. six <laughs> and so plus and what yeah. I do is I invite I invite someone and they they have to invite someone so that way I get to meet new people too
0: mm-hmm. so what I was doing for years I love this mm-hmm. like and I love these like overarching themes and how you've thought about it um so Dora Clark is a good friend of mine and I probably mentioned Thank her every other, episode <laughs> Your is so
1: good I'm a, I'm a fan of dory's
0: and she's a good person like mm-hmm. a just genuinely good person so um so i should get paid pr i seriously i like her so much <laughs> um but but dory um was living in boston when i first met her and i live in boston and so we were co-hosting dinners together and then she moved to new york and when and she's an introvert as well like you were talking about introverts earlier and she actually like established her new york Sort of network by just hosting these. I think she was doing them two, uh, twice a month, wow. um, and and just like what she would do is she'd invite a friend to bring three people, three or four people, and she would bring three or four people, and that way. And, be, and then to make it even easier, you go to a restaurant. And so I host a monthly dinner uh, that draws from di- three different online communities because I wanted to like. So basically, these online communities all cost money. They're all part of like a, an extension of a course. Yeah, and I thought that the commonality is that we all. Put our money, we invested in ourselves and our professional and personal development. And but the, but the categories are really vast; like it's they have nothing to do with each other. Um, <laughs> you know, but but that cross pollination has been really great. And it I sounds like you don't really believe in that. So now I have a question that I want to mm-hmm. I want to see what your succinct answer is on this because I'm writing a book,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the book is about it, building. Uh, diverse connections, the building diverse networks, the importance of that. And it's so clear that you believe that this is important. So I'm not, this is not that leading of a question. (laughs) (laughs) So why, why do you think diverse networks are important? Like what is the inherent value that you can't get if you stay inside your little echo chamber your little bubble of safety. Like obviously you have to go out of your comfort zone somewhat to do this because you're going to interact with people who are going to be different than you. You might offend someone. And by the way, it's a privileged thing to be worried about offending people. Um, Just say it out loud. So, So go ahead. What in your words, like why, why do this? Why have salons? Why, why give people a space to connect like this?
1: Because people are endlessly interesting they are like every like every single person if you if you sit down and I guarantee you if, if you were to to pull away whatever that thing is that you think feels different when you get to the core, it's not. It's just not and then and then you have access to everything that they have. Um, so this is that was a succinct answer. I'm gonna give you the the not succinct verse okay yeah. Good. <laughs> um, when I was in high school, uh, I was so privileged as to do a student exchange to Spain. So they came over here, and then I went over there, and 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 so like my connection to diversity and the power of of why why get past some of those weird frictions in the beginning to feel like they're important, um, is I is I found myself sitting at a table with my Spanish father, and he had three girls and a mom. My family at home, two girls and a mom and a dad. And my Spanish father looked up and was like, "You girls are driving me crazy." And I just I had this moment because my dad says that. And but my, my dad is a black man in the US that had not traveled internationally, that you know, was a truck driver. And then here was this this white man who's Catholic speaking in Spanish in a whole other country. Like you literally, if you would put these two men in the same room, no one would say that they were the same. But if but if you could work out a translator that in that moment they they, they would be on on an amen corner together, <laughs> like these women are crazy. Yes, they're crazy. You know, see, sí. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like it would have been the exact same thing. And I, and that I, I had this moment of like it's all a ruse. The fact that we that we feel so different from each other, it, like it's like, but when like when you dig to the creamy core, we all want our families to be safe. We all want to be loved. We all want to make an impact. We all want to live a good life, right? Like these fundamental things. And we sometimes differ on the hows and the specifics of it. But is that any different than the people that you claim to be just alike? You know, I can sit across, my sister and I are probably the closest I will ever be to another human. And we argue about everything, (laughs) right?
0: So. yeah, sometimes being close doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: solve the problem. Like, so so you know even so even within the bubble, like the honest answer is we nod and we agree on all on a set of things. i could I could offer you up a whole new set, set of um questions and then you have a a vehement fight about them. Right. right you know so 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 diversity matters because because quite frankly, the divisions are false, and all you are doing is limiting yourself from resources that could really help you make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I think this is really powerful, and um, there are people like you and like me who clearly are sort of given um, a gift to bridge, you know, be a bridge, you know, build spaces, create containers where people can show up, and that may not be for everybody. But no. one of the things I'm hoping people will get from listening to this uh, episode and from reading the book that I plan to write is that they can. Just sort of keep an antenna out for those opportunities that maybe someone else is going to be providing, and then value that opportunity. So, like, if you hear that someone's having a dinner salon, you know, like, come on by. <laughs> you just say yes. You don't like question it. You just say yes. I'm, I'm, what? I'm not going to know anyone. That should be a, a hell yes. <laughs> I am going. You know, because that is a rare thing um, to have someone curate a space where you know you're going to be safe enough to be present with these people, you'll have something enough in common, but you won't actually have like such a common shared experience that you won't learn something. It's like That's a real gift to give somebody. So I'm so looking forward to hearing how you salons go. I wanna know though, if I, this is like my last wrap up question, right? It's I love this question. Let's say, and we will be doing this a year from now, we are connecting and we're talking, we're catching up. And I'm asking you about all the accomplishments and victories and celebrations that you've had in the last year. I want to know, what are we toasting? Like, what are we celebrating? What, what, have you, what do you see in the future for the next year?
1: Okay, so so everyone who's listening to this, this is Robbie putting me on spot because in a year from now, I'm going to be held accountable for whatever I say right, um, which I love. Um, a year from now, we're going to be toasting that my book is
0: done. Mm. <laughs> And that was Robbie <laughs> snapping his fingers at that, forgetting, of course, that we're not on video. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
1: it's totally. like you like, you can totally hit a snap. No, it's true. Like it's, it, it is one of those things. Um, Robbie is clearly a veteran with the books. Um, but it's been one of, one of those things that I have been toying with and people have been asking for um, for a while. And i had just been caught up in the, I'm too busy. I need to work on it. Oh, it sounds hard. Um, and I'm finally committing to to getting it done.
0: That's so exciting. That's so exciting. And you know what? We can even have you come back on and talk about it. Because that, see, you have a whole nother reason to be on podcast. Yeah, I
1: have to come.
0: You got to do this, Tara. This is awesome. Tara, how can people find you and follow your work?
1: So please, please, please connect with me. I love meeting new people. Clearly, <laughs> I believe in, in, um, in network, networking and connecting. So please follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. I am I'm Tara Winston everywhere. Um, I'm really not that creative, so I keep using my name. One day I'm gonna, <laughs> one day I'm gonna have to come up with a really cool title, but until then, I'm just Tara. So come, you know connect with me um, my my website is interactions.com. and that's i n t e r r a c t i o n s. Um, I see
0: what you did there, Tara. <laughs> Interactions. Interactions.
1: I am so not creative. I'm like that's just good. slap my name in there somewhere.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: <laughs> but but stop by. I would I would love, love to, to hear about how you're connecting. I would love if you want to invite to one of my dinner salons, because I'm going to start taking them on the road when I travel. Um, if you just want to say hi, send me send me a message.
0: One of the best things you can do if you listen to a good show is reach out to the guest and just tell them you enjoyed it. Like that's a great way to say hello. So Yes. This is your invitation, everyone, to say hello to Tara. <laughs> I'm going to put all those links in the show notes, everyone. You'll find that at ontheschmooze.com. Tara, thank you so, so much. This is a great call.
1: Thank you so much, Robbie. And I got to tell you, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I kind of wish that you were around 10 years ago when I was getting started because I needed this. And so I know the, the difference you're making for people. So Thank you. <laughs>
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Tara. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 92, which is also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. And do you want more? Remember, a few times a year, I run the MORE program for entrepreneurial women. I meet bi-weekly online with four women who want more money, opportunities, referrals, and engagement. It's a mix of mastermind hot seats and content-rich masterclass sessions, and it's scheduled over a 90-day period. Check out the details and sign up for a chat with me at robbiesamuels.com forward slash more. If you enjoyed this episode with Tara, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to
1: On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.